Welcome to Cypherspeak, Artifacts, Ciphers, and Podities. Would a rose by any other character sentence smell as sweet? Today we ask this. <laughs> and many other questions. I am here with my co-host Darcy, who is a spell-slinging vizlay who wants to break time. And I'm here with my co-host Troy, who is a smoky purveyor of delectable meats. And this is Cypherspeak. Welcome, everybody. Yes, hello everybody. Welcome back. Uh, today we are going to talk about different and interesting ways to use the character sentence structures in cipher games, or really any game for that matter. Mm, exactly. This was a uh, really good suggestion um, brought up by Quincy uh, Forder from the Cipher Unlimited Discord. So for any of you who haven't joined that Discord already, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes because that place has just been flourishing lately. And uh, I was really excited to receive a, a cool suggestion for something that, you know, got a little bit away from our deep dive into something specific in the Cipher system, which I still love doing, but it's nice to, to mix it up. So this was a very creative uh idea that they had and the, the specific thought they had was about spaceships like hey if you're playing a firefly game you know we could like represent our cool spaceships that are almost characters with a character sentence and i was like oh my gosh what about all the things you could do with character sentences <laughs> absolutely so you know along those lines why don't we kind of dive right in and talk about where and how maybe would you apply these character sentences to various things in your campaign? Um, the first and, you know, maybe like easiest transference is to non-player characters. You know, all right. those people you're running as the GM. Yeah. And so we've seen some examples of this, right, with uh, predation uh, you know, you have a companion, you have your dinosaur companion or early mammal companion. And of course, that's sort of played by another player or role played at least. Uh, but the way they uh, sort of imbue those companions with mechanical uh, heft is by giving them a descriptor and then a type. And so their type will be like a T-Rex or, you know, a Tyrannodon. I don't know. I forget what I'm so bad about when did when did dinosaurs coexist? <laughs> I'm like they all existed at the same time to me. Yeah, um, absolutely. But uh, so you'd have your type, your kind of critter, and then you'd have a descriptor, which I always thought was really cool to give it a little personality, give it a little bit of um, you know stats benefits, just like you get a descriptor in Cipher System. Yeah, and I think the thing that we can take away from how they're used by companions in Predation is you don't necessarily have to stick to the rigid structure of the entire sentence right? Uh, if you want to use it elsewhere. You can use part of a sentence or you could even kind of go the invisible sun route and add mm. a couple of additional things if that seems to kind of make sense. But you still kind of keep that same general structure. Totally. Uh, Troy, you just acquired a bunch of Planescape material, did you not? I sure did. Uh, so one of my favorite things about the uh, AD&D setting uh, Planescape is that there are all these cool factions, these philosophers clubs you can be a part of. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have really funny mechanical uh, benefits or drawbacks that you have when you join one. And so, you know, uh, in, a, in games where you might have allegiance to a group or other choices you can make, you could totally represent that with a... Um, with a new spot uh, slot for your character sentence, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and all kinds of things could, could go into those slots. I mean, you know, the, the CSR talks about, you know, using like race as a descriptor. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you could have a grumpy elf, uh, bartender, right? Like that's, that's your character sentence, right? It's super simple. Um, one other place that I think about that, that I noticed when I was looking for, um, interesting examples of character sentence play in existing material is that, um, I, I looked up followers in Numenera Destiny because I'm really excited by that system. Um, and I, I wanted to see, remember exactly how they conceptualize followers and, you know, they, they are treated very much like NPCs where they have a level and then they have some modifications that help you out, right? So you've got your thiefy character follower who's good at like lockpicking and uh, I don't know, like fast talk or something, right? But what they say in the, the section on followers is that you should also, you know, conceptualize those narratively. And so while it isn't like a rigid character sentence system, they they have a little section called breathing life into followers and they they give some examples on how to describe a follower narratively that also represents like what they're about, like their, their, their level and their uh, modifications. So you would have a firebrand diplomat who's able to convince an enemy horde to back down. You might have a genius uh, shiurgen who invigorates everyone with their healing techniques. And so I love that this is, you know, I really like the the way that it it asks you to to narratively describe them and it you know the the convenience of character sentences is that you state the mechanics and it feels more like natural speech i think and so this is a way to do that uh kind of naturally yeah and i guess what i like about it is once you have that character sentence written down that is your like quick and easy like spine i guess of that character yeah. right you know, so so you write that down for an NPC or if you're a player for your follower, and if you're looking for a little bit of inspiration of how they might respond to something, you just kind of look at that character sentence and say, "Oh, well, this this genius surgeon, yeah, you know, obviously is going to be like, oh, well, sure, I know all the answers, and maybe he's you say, oh, geniuses, I think of a genius as somebody who is like really, really intelligent." but maybe not very wise. Right. Kind of gives you that personality. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think that's a great point. And I noticed this when we were in Bearing the Light, the the Twitch stream we did with Monty running some of the new uh, Discovering Destiny content for us because we had, you know, we had this expedition. So there was like a bunch of NPCs and he gave names to like this huge, like, uh, gaggle of sisters, right, who are on this expedition <laughs> with us. And I was like, okay, you know, I, it'll just sort of, I anticipated it falling into like the background as I was like, okay, we have six level two followers, right? <laughs> but but instead it became like, you know, the way he talked about them was very much in this uh, sentence manner. And like, you know, there was one that was like the tomboy and she was really good at this thing, right? And so like they really, you know, you become attached like, to their personalities very quickly when you start speaking of them uh, in this narrative way, in this personable way that still conveys the mechanical information you need to know. So I, I just loved that, that enmeshing. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that shows a very kind of important skill, even from a DM perspective is Mm. if you just give characters like names uh, and maybe even some description, a lot of times they won't retain that. Yeah. You know, but if you give them something to key off of, like, 
like you know, emotionally. Yeah, yeah, like Bernice is the tomboy and yeah. you know um has close cropped hair and whatever, you know, is some physical yeah. description to go with it. And um you know, Laquisha is the you know, temperamental like uh, axe hand or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you're like, oh, okay. Like you start to put something to that character and it only has to be a couple of words. It really does. It's amazing how much the, and, and like that stuff just sticks way better in my brain than, than when it, when it's not presented that way. Yeah. So uh, did we have anything, any other ideas about like ways we might tinker with character sentences and NPCs in our own games? So we talked about, you know, what these sentences can do for you, how they're done in uh, predation and how they're sort of how character sentences alluded to in by followers in Destiny. Yeah, I mean, not uh, a whole lot, just that, you know, again, you know, think of it when you're building your NPCs. And even if you want to just sit down and come up with, I think that this is an interesting combination of words, yeah. right? Like write down, 10 character sentences and then you have some ready-made npcs at your disposal right yeah. like oh i need a i need a shopkeeper scan down your list and like oh you know this uh you know dower you know bespectacled you know yeah. um automaton is my shopkeeper right whatever yeah. whatever it is i love that and that's man the the benefit of that for me as a gm too is that like I could imagine, I might even try to like make myself a little NPC list, sort of like I've been really wanting to experiment with graph paper again lately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked John, do we have any graph paper in this house? And he was like, I don't think so. I was like, how is that possible? So I think something I will do for my next game is to make myself a little grid, which I always do for player characters when I have a one shot. I have like a column for player name, player pronouns, their character sentence, and then their character's name and character pronouns, mm -hmm. and then some other details. So, like, I think I should make that for my NPCs because sometimes I also forget how I role-played them in the past, and if I have that sentence to come back to as opposed to just the level, I think I'll, uh, that'll really help me remember. So that's what I'm going to try next time I GM, which will be soon. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. So we've kind of bounced around, you know, how we can use these with NPCs, which is, you know, I think the most transferable yeah. and relatable uh, to, you know, our player character sentences. But what if we, um, you know, kind of go back to the original uh, suggestion by Quincy of spaceships? Like how, what would we maybe do differently or how would we use it for a spaceship? Or are there any differences? Gosh, I have a couple questions I would have about this. I think there's a lot of really valid, fun ways to go about this. And that is definitely part of the fun of Cypher System is that there are multiple uh, natural and right answers, none of which will break the game. <laughs> uh, that's just the, the way it goes. So one thought I had is, of course, to have, um, you know, depending on the kind of setting you're into, it, are the spaceships, do they have kind of sentient AIs in which you get some of this like personality like it's a person um ships that aren't sentient can also kind of have personalities you know like yeah. a the car that well you know what's quirky about it what is its overall you know people really bond with their cars their vehicles mm -hmm. right um and so some stuff i might use for like kind of a personality is like okay so i would separate this into two things right i think there's going to be a base type of whatever this is so it could be like a 
gosh, I'm forgetting all my like spaceship words, like a cruiser, right? Yep. Or a, um, a like fighter. an X-wing. Yeah. Yeah, a fighter, things like that. Um, and so I would probably have some slot that is the general type of machine this mm-hmm. is. And then I'd probably have something else that's like either talks about quality or temperament, like uh, finicky, which might be like really maneuverable, but has the chance of jam intrusions when mm. you're, when you at least, you know, at least want it. Um, some things like that really flashy could be very beautiful. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, some of those types of things are really interesting, you know, to say, yeah, that like I'm a, you know, a, a covert cruiser or I'm yeah. a, yeah, like a flashy fighter, you know, um, I like that alliteration, obviously. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, for me, when I think about it, like I, the way that I was approaching it when I was thinking about it was, do you want this like character sentence to be like narrative in that it is just like, hey, this is a general idea of what our ship is like compared to these other ships. Mm. Or is it where you actually create, you know, some mechanics around it, right? Where it's like, oh, if you're a maneuverable fighter, you know, that shoots torpedoes or whatever, right? Like that tells you a lot about that that ship from a mechanic perspective. Um, And so I think that there's kind of, and it it also tells you some stuff narratively, but... um, you know, so how far do you want to go and how stringent do you want to be with those sentences? I think is kind of one of the early decisions you need to make. For sure. And I think there's validity to both mm-hmm, uh, totally. approaches. But I, I'm really excited by some of the mechanical options you could have there, especially when you get kind of weird with it, right? Like, you know, and you have to think about like the scale of uh, the mechanics that you want those words in your character sentences to portray, right? Like, is it uh, if you're maneuverable, does that just mean it, it provides an asset on uh, for anyone p- trying to pilot the ship, which is fine. So like mm-hmm. everything's just a little bit easier in the ship. Or is it like you get a free like player intrusion like once per session or once, you know, once every once in a while, but at the cost of like a GM intrusion later on about some part of your ship, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could play with so many different elements of of the mechanics of the cipher system to have a lot of fun there i think yeah i'm that whole thing you just said about player intrusion at maybe the cost of a gm intrusion later is really interesting because you think about it from a a narrative perspective and maybe to pull off that crazy maneuver you're stressing your ship right right and and exactly. you, you do the thing but then you know when the battle's over it's like um Captain, we uh, we blew out the power converter and we need yeah. a new one, right? Or whatever. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about this in terms of spaceships because they're how you get around in the world usually, mm-hmm. just like Edge of the Empire does and other places, like it, it leans more into story hooks because like, okay, yeah, so if you have a GM intrusion, your a, p- a piece of your equipment is failing, it, that becomes a story problem, right? You have to yep. be like, go freaking get that fixed other, <laughs> right. or else. Yeah. Um, another GM intrusion I might inflict on someone if they pulled some flashy maneuver is that uh, somebody spotted them doing some BS and now they're they're like wanted by, <laughs> you know, the, the, I don't know, the cops, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and like I could, oh, I could almost imagine taking... Uh, taking the personality trait or taking like the descriptor of a ship being that it's like 
it's a stolen ship, right? So sure. maybe it's really good, but you're going to have to contend with the fact eventually and in, in various pieces that it, that is totally a stolen or illegal class ship. Sure. Um, and, and that absolutely, that's like a great thing to throw like in your, your sentence, right? Like, yeah. you know, that is stolen or, you know, um, is illegal in the Delta Quadrant or something like yeah. that. Oh, I love that. One other thought I have that I'm not I'm not married to. I'm not quite sure how it would work out, but I know lots of people love to play house. Uh, and sometimes you like to play house in your spaceship, and I am about that. So sometimes people want to, like, make modifications. You know, they want to make their living quarters nicer. They want to, uh, you know, they need to, they want to decide whether to spend their resources on upgrading their hyperdrive or getting a new, uh, like, or a, a better, like, gunnery bay i don't know sure. there's like options right so i've been curious whether to tinker with that into like maybe i could even see fractaling it out where you had uh you have a a flashy cruiser who does something interesting maybe give it a focus right some some weird ability mm-hmm. that's special about this ship and why mm-hmm. it's yours but then you might have here are the different sectors of it we've got living quarters we've got offense defense and engines and you might have a descriptor or two in there, right? You might, and you might be able to like upgrade a descriptor to be better, right? Like your living quarters are squalid, right? Just terrible. <laughs> uh, but your, your engines are top notch and mm-hmm. stuff like that where, you know, you could tie mechanical or just narrative benefits to that. So I think that that gets to be very bookkeepy a little bit, but it could be fun for a certain group. Right. Yeah. And it, it all depends on, yeah, what you want your your ship to be. Because if it is kind of like you're talking about, it's home, it's their base, yeah. you know, it, that might be stuff that they are, are very interested in. Yeah. And honestly, you know, yeah, it's it's more bookkeepy than maybe we're traditionally used to in the yeah. cipher system, but it's a less it's less bookkeepy than a lot of other ways you For can sure. deal with base upgrades. Yeah. And okay, just just to take this one step further, because <laughs> I want to play house. Uh, like I could describe like my room, you know, how Firefly like mm-hmm. and, you know, any any lots of space shows have like you get to see that person's personality come out in their quarters. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to give a, a character sentence, even if it had no mechanical benefit, because I just think that would really make me feel like uh, tied to that ship in a really narrative and meaningful way. I think I would love to to play around with that. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> so, you know, moving on from spaceships, we've got, you know, some things that are maybe similar, but maybe they're different, maybe they're not. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like what about just, you know, buildings and structures and things in our everyday, you know, if, if we're not playing a space game, if we're playing yeah. Numenera or, you know, whatever, Stranger Things. Um, Stranger knows? Things. Yeah. yeah. Well, whatever you happen to be playing. Um, you know, can you describe those those places with sentences? I really like that. And I think it would vary a lot depending on the kind of game we're playing, right? But like if you're playing a game where you're a bunch of people pulling heists all the time, yeah. I love that, right? That sets up your mechanical the the nature of your challenges, right? And and like it means that you want to describe different things if you're going to play a heisty game or like a sneaky game or a, I don't know, big Godzilla smash em up game, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but, but I could totally see that. I'm trying to think of what that would look like. Do you have any specific ideas of like, 
Um, you know, yeah. So if we're, we're looking at the heist game, it's, you know, you could have, you know, a building that, you know, wherever the, the MacGuffin is. And, and it could be a, a secure compound crawling yeah. with guards. Yeah. Right? Totally. Like that tells you a whole ton about, you know, and from there, even if you don't tell that to the players, just as the GM, that can be the basis for how you answer all of the questions as they're yeah. going through casing the place. Um, and then you could have another one that's uh, inconspicuous house with a secret basement. Ooh. Right. Oh, I love it. That, yeah. That they're going towards. So, right. I mean, that that kind of thing can just you just jot that down and right away those things kind of get your wheels turning for okay when again if you're doing a heist game right when the characters are casing the place assuming they're any good at doing heists at all um (laughs) (laughs) big assumption (laughs) um you know, you can like they can be like, oh, we want to check out this. We want to check out this. And you can be like, oh, well, this place is crawling yeah. with guards. So you see guards here and here and here. Right. Like it, it's it's an easy way to kind of inform that narrative without having to draw out that entire complex. Gosh. And like something if you have any abilities that the characters have where they are like skilled investigators or they ha- they're a nano with scan or they they have uh, like some kind of like clairvoyant powers, right? What would be cool is like if that's a part of your game where you're, con- where you're consistently going to be sort of writing down, like conceptualizing these places or things with a character sentence, like it could be that character's ability to pay up and get the character sentence, right, mm-hmm. of that building. And it doesn't give them all the information, but it it might give them a, a reasonable amount of information for the abilities they have, which could be really interesting. Um, and, and it's quick. I like how go-to it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing that I think is interesting about buildings is even if you're not using a lot of these character sentences or descriptors in your game, what I like about it is there's obviously a foundation in the real world for these buildings and places that people are going so you can almost use this as a kind of a thought exercise as you're going about your daily life yeah and that like can i describe this place in a character sentence right yeah what a cool gm technique i because like when i when i first started gming i was running a lot of numenera and so i learned that i did have to write down a list of like weird things right (laughs) because i was like oh we're just playing like my usual fantasy go-to and so I had a list of like ways to make it weird. And now, of course, there's the weird deck, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, what I really struggled with after that was like communicating in a clear way my mental image of places and like like geography and spatial locations from my head to them. And I think having the foundation of giving it a little character sentence and in Numenera, the thing that's weird about it, like that, that having that character sentence, I you know. It, it gives you enough grounding to like transmit my mental image into your head, right? Uh, and I think that would be, that's a really cool technique. And I, I love the challenge of walk about your daily life and make character sentences for everything you see around you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to try that and we should, we should get back next week, after, next uh, episode and see how it went. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I, I think that there's just some interesting things there. And it's not that that sentence has to be like the end all be all for your right. description of the change. place. It can, add. It, can, it can change. You can add to it. But if you have this like one thing that like grounds, um, you know, you in the in the 
building, you know, maybe that is your basis for what you're working on. Yeah. All right. Uh, We have a couple other little ideas to throw out there about ways that character sentences might be come into play in interesting ways. Yeah, so we start to to get a little bit further afield here mm-hmm. as we <laughs> dive into the the further reaches of this topic. But the next <laughs> one that I had an idea about is relationships. Yeah. You know, like let's say, you know, you go to a a house at the side of the road, you know, you're traveling and it's like a a stop place for travelers and there's a, you know, a husband and a wife that live there right? You could describe, and again, this is something that you could just use for you as the GM, but you could describe their relationship in so many different ways. Yeah. You know, like they, they're, you know, a strained couple who constantly nags each other. Yeah. Right. Or, um, they're, uh, happy, you know, kids who, always try to one up the other one right you know like (laughs) you know you can just think about these and that again beyond just a like an npc sentence it gives you a way to like play these characters off of each other yeah um i love that idea so much and again it's it's a as a gm it can be a really helpful way to think about to, to like consistently describe those characters and to to let them feel alive in the same way session to session um did you think about like you know we have player bonds between each other right we sort of have your 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 pc pc relationships mm-hmm. have you thought about like you know should or or would you ever use like a character sentence like mechanic to sort of talk about that uh, i mean there's there's not really a reason you couldn't, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, like Bobby and I dislike each other um, or are like, you know, angry associates because he shot me, right? Like yeah, the, the, right. Is the, the license to carry to one, him. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, like, like, yeah, you could absolutely describe it that way. Yeah, and like, I, I just could imagine like, tenuous friends i feel like you know yeah i i I really i'd be interested to see how that how that plays out and of course invisible sun your your connections to one another do carry mechanical benefits so you you know your shadow pals or your uh lovers or um you know you have these mechanized you have a word to describe your the bond between you two and their mechanics associated so there's a context for that too yep absolutely um, so the next thing kind of that I was thinking about is treasure. Mm. And this is kind of a catch all for all the things that you find in the world. Right. Yeah. You know, but, and I'm a little torn on this one. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think I would maybe reserve this kind of description for some of the more special, unique things that, yeah. that players were to find. But you could say, you know, you find a fancy gun that, you know, shoots purple laser beams. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I'm totally with you on, I don't want to do this for everything that people walk across, you know, for something that's special, for something that'll be meaningful to them. Uh, and like, you know, my, the example that came up for me was like, you know, magical items in some settings, like some Dungeons and Dragons iterations, like have a personality and kind mm-hmm. of have like a 
like a, almost like a soul or like a, yeah. you know, or they talk, they'll talk to you, right? And so whenever you've got like an, an enchanted sword or something, uh, <laughs> you know, give that stuff a personality, Absolutely. make it annoying or magnanimous or, you know. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, that does a thing. It should do a special thing. And that can be, you know, you can view that with your a mechanical side as well. So I would definitely be interested in doing that. Um, but But yeah, sparingly for me. Although like I think the exercise of... Uh, describing a thing and always giving it a little descriptor as well. Like, you know, you, you find, uh, goodness, let's see, you find a, a glow globe, right? They find some glow globes. But these glow globes are, they're dirty, they're pristine. They are, you know, I think, I think the habit of never just using one word to describe a thing and instead giving it that, like, thinking about it like a character sentence, you know, these, you walk into a room and it's, uh, you know, nothing's, nothing should ever be, in, in in at least in Numenera, nondescript, right? Mm-hmm. Give it a give it a thing. So I still like that habit. Yeah, and a little interesting thing there is if you are constantly kind of having a little bit of description around the things that that you are describing, it is actually a very interesting narrative tool to then have something lack description. Yeah. Right. The the players will notice that if you've been doing it long enough. Uh, that is also a good maybe word of warning is that sometimes players will really latch on to the thing that you give a descriptor <laughs> to. If you if you're changing it up from not always giving a descriptor to things, they may start to think that it. They may like deeply pursue something that is not important, uh, and suddenly they can be going off in all these different directions. So to some extent, like you know, how you choose to communicate these things tells the players what's interesting to investigate. And so as much as I'm like, describe everything, yay, give everything cool words, uh, that can spuriously lead your players places you didn't intend. And so maybe, you know, be aware of that. Use with caution. <laughs> oh, why why are these glow, glow, glow globes dirty? Yeah. We have to we have to obviously find the place to yeah. clean the glow globes so that they can be serviceable again. But they're cursed. <laughs> Suddenly your whole campaign has come around to these very simplistic glowing walls of light. Uh, so danger, danger lies here. <laughs> um, so the last one that I had an idea about that's actually kind of I think that we've actually sort of touched on it as we talked about some mm-hmm. other things. Um, because it's really maybe just a subset of the buildings and structures and even mm-hmm. the spaceship one to some degree. But I was thinking, you know, like, think about how you apply this to like dungeons or rooms. Yeah. And I really like the way that Darcy talked about the spaceship in that maybe your dungeon has an overall sentence. Yeah. Right. And then some of your rooms can have different descriptors, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so, so you don't have to think of this whole thing as one big thing. It can have like an overarching thing. Like it's, you know, a set of wet caverns, right. Is your overarching thing. Yeah. But then this room, you know, has a luminescent glow and is hot yeah. right? or whatever. Um, I, I love that. And you know how the Jade Colossus supplement for Numenera is, is a really, really cool book. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got the the Ruin uh, Generating Engine. So Ruin Mapping Engine, sorry. <laughs> uh, and so that, that has a bunch of tables for you to draw on to combine some little elements and like map out 
where your exits are and then what's weird about those rooms to make sure you're keeping everything really fresh and cool. Um, and so sometimes they can be like events or thing or people that are in there or just weird qualities of the room. And so I, I definitely think that like I so in the past I've been like, I want to I want to draw a map that is not does not look like a phallus for once. So occasionally I, I'm like, I know. And so I get out a graph paper and I start drawing and then I'm like, oh no, it's starting to become that. Okay, do something different. Uh, and so I've mapped out all these rooms and I've like had little like, oh, here's a thing that could be in here, whatever. And I wonder if I may not have been able to get the same effect by just listing out like little character sentences for a bunch of rooms, right? Mm -hmm. And then as we go, as they explore through the dungeon, crossing one of them off and being like this, okay, this would be an interesting thing to slot right here. And then, you know, I, I just think that would be really fun for me. So it's sort of a ruin mapping engine light where I've sort of pre-generated a bunch of cool stuff I want to throw in and then I can deploy that at the right time narratively. Um, and, you know, especially if like the session's going long and I really didn't want them to be in this thing anymore, we can like sort of time jump and skip to the interesting room I wanted them to end in or something. Yeah, absolutely. That that sounds like a really interesting way to kind of generate through your, your dungeon. And yeah. for those keeping track at home, our graph paper count is now up to three times that we've mentioned it in this episode. So <laughs> we are not spo sponsored by grapher, <laughs> graph paper. <laughs> We should get sponsored by Graphic. We, we should. We should. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that that's kind of, you know, what we wanted to talk about uh, yeah. as far as, you know, character sentences and maybe ways to twist them and turn them and bend them to your will and and all kinds of different things. So I'm uh, definitely interested to hear what your thoughts are and, you know, how would you use them differently than us? Other things that you can use them on. Um, would definitely love to hear uh, any of your thoughts. Absolutely. So uh, we do have one little order of business uh, mm -hmm. from our last episode, which was the, the crafting episode. Uh, we do have a little update. Uh, in that episode, we talked about uh, when you are doing a subtask um, and your skill or whatever has already decreased the overall task difficulty, would you also apply it to a subtask? And we were a little bit torn on the subject. Um, it seemed like we were you were able to double count your skills and that didn't really feel right and, mm -hmm. um, you know, those kind of things. But anyway, we reached out to uh, Bruce Cordell, uh, who is the designer of the crafting system, uh, and he was kind enough to get back to us. And uh, basically, he told us that subtasks are tasks just like any other tasks. They're just referred to as subtasks to signal that they're part of a larger series of related tasks um, that you have to do to craft something. So let's say that you had um, a, let's say it's a level four thing and you're specialized in crafting Numenera. You would take the effective level down to two before you even started. The right? assessed level the of assessed difficulty. The assessed level down to mm -hmm. two and then you would get basically two levels reduced on each of your skill rolls so you wouldn't even have to make a roll to craft that thing it would just take some time right and i i really like that and that totally meshes with what we found in the tables which were like it seemed like there were there are sort of impossible levels to, uh mm -hmm. listed yep. um and so i i think that the way this works makes it even 
even more quick and easy and something that like people will be crafting a lot more stuff than they would if they had done it our way. <laughs> and so uh, I, I was eager to hear that. Yeah. So you have your assess difficulty and that's just going to outline the number of tasks and the level of tasks that you're going to actually uh, attempt. So those, those quote unquote subtasks, and you can just apply the same stuff you applied to that assessed level of difficulty uh, calculator. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, um, I, I'm sure this doesn't make much sense without the context of our prior episode. So go back and listen to that yeah, if you haven't. <laughs> but uh, that's a really fun crafting system, and I'm delighted to know that it works uh, as smoothly as, as Bruce clarified for us. Yeah. Basically, we were overthinking it. And, yeah, uh, we were. Just don't overthink it. Just it's a task. <laughs> apply your skills. Move on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. It's time for our potty section. Uh, it sure is. So um, my potty this week, uh, we haven't mentioned him in a while, but uh, our friend uh, Mark Plord is still blogging away over at Inspiration yeah. Strikes. Uh, and he has one that's actually, um, it's a little tangential to our discussion here, but a little related. Uh, he has a post about hacking minions and NPCs uh, that kind of talks about some problems that he's encountered with uh, these NPCs and minions and how he's gotten around them. Um, not necessarily as much from a narrative focus as we've talked about with character sentences, but just some mechanical pitfalls he's run into. So um, if you're working on your NPCs, I think that that's a good and adjacent article to our discussion today. Absolutely. I can't wait to check that out. Uh, for my potty this week, I'm, of course, uh, you know, deep in my Vizlay uh, researches and studies uh, as the the Kickstarter to reprint Invisible Sun, one of my favorite games, is uh, has already funded and now we're working on stretch goals. Very exciting. So um, uh -huh. I was I was both delighted and heartbroken that uh, Invisible Sun had sold out from MCG while it was still in its pre-order period because that means lots of people want to play this game. Uh, which is awesome because I want more players. But uh, it also <laughs> meant there are more people who uh, just are going to want to play and not going to be able to secure a copy. So uh, with this big, elaborate black cube full of wild components and, and beautiful books and tokens and cards and, oh my goodness, so many things... Uh, it's really hard to make uh, and expensive to produce. And so uh, we, I'm really glad that we were able to fund a, another print run of it to start to get this to other people. So if you have been interested in Invisible Sun and uh, really want to check it out, the Kickstarter is definitely a great way to go to make sure you get a copy because I, I bet you this situation is going to happen again because mm -hmm. we just can't make gigantic print runs of this. Uh, nobody wants that sitting on a shelf for eons. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, but I'm very excited. And we've already funded uh, one of the stretch goals, which is a cool new digital prop set. So I love props and handouts. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to get a whole other uh, digital set for that. And uh, and who knows what else we may see. So please go check that out. Um, you know, share it with a friend if you already like Invisible Sun or if you know someone who's interested in magic and secrets and uh, the wild, surreal world of Saturine and the actuality. Um, I'd love it if you shared shared it around. That is an excellent uh, potity. Yeah. Um, I do have one more sub potity. Uh, you can still apply your skills related to potities to this sub potity. Excellent. Um, 
But uh, the actual play I GM'd for the one-shot network of Invisible Sun called A Woman with Hollow Eyes uh, just got its podcast feed set up. So it's it's a beautifully edited, produced uh, podcast feed that's going to be playing through um, the episodes and development modes of A Woman with Hollow Eyes. And I'm really excited. And there's some cool music that's been commissioned. So please go check that out. It's so cool. Nice. So exciting. You, if you are not hearing enough of Darcy here, you'll get to hear more there. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, we want to shout out to another one of our uh, misdirected Mark uh, network shows uh, this week. Uh, we are going to shout out to Jang Hu Hustle. Uh, train alongside fellow students Eric Farmer and Eli Kurtz in Jang Hu Hustle. Eric and Eli make their Kung Fu stronger by watching wuxia films, then discussing how to apply their observations to game design. So if you are at all interested in wuxia or uh, Kung Fu, you should definitely check out that uh, podcast. What a good podcast concept. That's so brilliant. I love it. It sure is. Uh, the Misdirected Mark folks have also been doing an actual play of Numenera that we should link to. Yeah. Uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm so excited. Um, yeah, so that's that's it for this episode. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, and uh, we can't wait to hear about how you use character sentences or how we got it all wrong. Come come at us. Um, you can at us at uh, on Twitter at CypherspeakPod. Uh, to let us know about all of your your assignment this week, which is to go look around and uh, cipher sentence everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and also feel free to send us any feedback, uh, additional suggestions, uh, any longer um, thoughts that you have uh, to our email, uh, cypherspeakpod at gmail.com. Yep, and check out our episodes and other wonderful podcasts you can uh, listen to at the Misdirected Mark website where you can uh, find our episodes and comment on them if you have uh, specific ideas. Absolutely, and if you feel so inclined, we would love for you to go out and rate us or leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate it so very much for those of you that have done it thus far. Yeah, you all rock. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. So, Troy... Uh, what is the character sentence of your cat this week? He is an invisible guardian <laughs> that I have no idea when he will strike. <laughs> Perfect. Cypherspeak is a member of the Misdirected Mark Podcast Network, the media arm of Encoded Designs. We'll prioritize work first and, you know, Who be responsible. We? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of my MO. I have no idea who you are, though. <laughs> We're professionals. Professional.